in your corner, saving one investor at a time, working for clients, not companies, all while bully-proofing portfolios, totally committed to sharing academic truths about investing, always representing Main Street and not Wall Street. It's your Sound Money team, and this is the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. And folks, we are a registered investment advisory firm. We're independent. And we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. It's very important. And we're going to work for you as clients, not companies. And our sound money process works like this. When you call us to set an appointment, 513-575-9654. There's no meter running. Leave your check, put wallet, and purse at home. We're going to meet on a complimentary basis for as many times necessary to fully analyze your situation, complete a personalized retirement compass plan, income plan, cash flow plan, to see if you're ready for retirement or how do you get ready or if you're already in retirement. We have multiple locations. Milford on the east side is our, our home office, but we'll be glad to meet you in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, Kentucky. And you're going to meet one or three of the guys you make a connection with over the weeks, months, and years, Barry, Greg, or James, or maybe uh, all three of us. Who knows? If you have a 401K, 43B, TSP, some kind of retirement company plan, and you're no longer with that company, chances are you can roll that out. You can roll that out tax neutral, and it's probably the best thing, and we can help you with that. So give us a call at 575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. How about sending us over an email at team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Call the studio right now, 513-749-5500. That's pound 550 on your AT&T wireless. Mr. Borth, what is going on today? Well, today's topic, we're going to talk about risk versus safety and why safety, at least having some degree of safety in retirement, is so important. How about no risk with lots of return? I like it. Sign me up. (laughs) So think about this. I mean, risk, yes, different types of risk sometimes can be scary, sometimes can also be very rewarding. So whether it's driving on the interstate, jumping out of an airplane, investing in the stock market. Or just walking down the street, basically. But the point is that the types of risk, the different arrays of risk can be very wide uh, as far as the different types of maybe expectations can also be quite of a variety as well. So if you've ever read a motivational book, maybe you can visualize the benefits of taking risk in order to be successful. And yes, much of that is also true, but we also have to be willing to fail sometimes. Now, that sounds scary when we're talking about investing, but hopefully we do learn from our mistakes and also our failures, right? So risk can be a good thing. And You know, when we're talking about taking risk, sometimes we're talking about taking the appropriate amount of risk. What the recent market has shown some of us, maybe even many of us, is that our actual risk number is different from what we thought it was. Need to reevaluate it. So if, if you're thinking about your investments and you're thinking, I don't like how this is going and I, I think I'm taking on too much risk. Well, maybe you are. Because sometimes the best time to buy, I, I know it's so counterintuitive when you say, well, the markets are going down. Is that really the best time to buy more stuff? Buy low, sell high. Yes. Or do you want to do the opposite? 
I mean, when you think about it, we don't like the opposite, which is to buy high and sell low. Which a lot of people do. Yes. Many times our human emotions get in the way of investing logic. But nevertheless, the fear and the greed are very difficult to overcome. So when it comes to retirement, yes, you might be hoping for the best, but are you prepared for what might actually be the worst? And what I mean by this is, say the market is at one particular plateau or level, and then it loses, say, 20%. And you're also, at that point in time, that's when you picked, as far as retiring, I know, stepping off the proverbial cliff, right, of retirement. But now you're also taking income from your investment portfolios, your retirement portfolios. And maybe your your withdrawal rate is somewhere around 5%. Or maybe you don't quite have the amount of savings in your nest egg, and maybe your withdrawal rate is closer to 10%. Now think about the drawdown rate of your portfolio. If the market has lost 20% and you're taking another 5 to 10% from your portfolio, how long will it take for that to maybe run out prior to you running out of life? That's, that's the scary part of investing in a market and being solely dependent upon the returns of the market is that if the market is losing money, and your accounts, by you taking money out of them, are also losing money, then it's a downward spiral that you may not recover from. So think about when we talk about transitioning from the different phases of life, the accumulation phase to the preservation and distribution phases. So, yes, during the years that we're working, the accumulation phase, most of us focus on one thing and one thing only when it comes to our investments. We want the money to grow. And we're comfortable, sometimes very comfortable, with the perceived amount of risk in the portfolios because there's always going to be that replenishing of money from you still working. There's going to still be money putting, you know, that you're putting into your investment accounts. So if you lose money, at least temporarily, there's the thought of, well, it's going to come back. It's just a matter of time. And you really don't lose it until you sell it. So that's one kind of, So if you're in retirement and you're pulling money out, yes, that's a double whammy. So when it comes to retirement, are you ready to gamble your retirement savings without really knowing what the repercussions are? One of the things we like to say, it's not really that funny, but at the same time, it is a jarring comment when we say, which half of your money are you willing to lose? Or put it another way, which portion of your money are you willing to expose to market losses? So sometimes when you ask, is the glass half empty? Is it half full? Is it three-quarters of the way full? It's just a matter of perspective. So really, that's what today's show is all about, is to help wrap your mind around some of the different repercussions and why it's so important to add at least some degree of safety to your portfolio as you start getting into those retirement years. So, Barry, take us through some of these thought-provoking questions that tie into today's show. Okay, we're going to try to get through all these today. Uh, What does the three-legged stool of retirement consist of? Where are a few options to invest my money in? What is reverse dollar cost averaging? Are bonds considered a safe investment vehicle? What is a fixed indexed annuity? And what are the major pros and cons? Now, we're not talking about variable annuities, which we shy away from, fixed index annuities. Can a good FIA fixed index annuity be an effective bond replacement strategy? 
When did pension first come about, and why are they so much less common today? How much of my nest egg should I have in the market when I retire? When should I start changing my investments to prepare for retirement? And what type of advisor should I look for to help me add safety to my portfolio? James? Well, let's kind of go in reverse order. When you talk about the amount of risk that you should have in your portfolio, it maybe is not necessarily tied to your age necessarily as your risk tolerance. And I I know we've said this a number of times that we have a number of our clients who are in their 70s and their 80s, and they are comfortable with the money that they have in the market being fully exposed to market risk. So when we say fully exposed, we're talking about the equities risk versus maybe the bonds or the fixed income type of a risk. What they also have done in most cases is they have allocated their investments between Red money, yellow money. So red money is unmanaged market risk. Yellow is managed, professionally managed market risk. But nevertheless, it's still market risk. And then green money is the I know so money. It is insurance, usually fixed index annuities or fixed annuities. But there's always the issue about, you know, the claims paying ability of the insurance company. But, yes, billion-dollar insurance companies, A-rated insurance companies, really the pillars of the financial community when it comes to insurance companies. So we're not talking about a large degree of risk, but we cannot say that it's absolutely free of risk. So there's always a tiny little bit of risk involved with the green money accounts, but nevertheless, they are perceived to be safe investments. And that's the point, is they have allocated different parts of their monies, of their nest egg, of their retirement assets, and given different accounts, different job descriptions or job titles, of what that particular account's mission is supposed to do. Balanced approach. Yes. So it's it's okay to have some of your money or your investments targeted for current income. And it's okay to have some of your monies targeted for future growth because you don't need those at the moment for current income. So maybe it is a different way to look at how your investments should be structured as far as putting some of your money into a foundation of green money accounts and then having other monies still having the opportunity for future growth in the market. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Opinions expressed are solely those of Brown Financial Advisors and should not be interpreted as specific advice. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified investment advisors prior to implementation. Market-based investments involve risk and past performance is no guarantee of future results. Insurance-based investments offer guarantees based upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. All insurance, tax, and mortgage services are offered through Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors. LLC. Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. And folks, we are a registered investment advisory firm. We're independent. We're not captive to a mothership. And we have fiduciary responsibility to do it's in your best interest. So we're going to work for you as clients, not companies, when you give us a call at 513-575-9654. And we have multiple locations for your convenience, and I've been known, and we've been known to actually go to your home if you're not very mobile or you need me. But Milford, 
Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, Kentucky. Now, we can help you roll out that company plan, like a 401k, 403b, into uh, a tax-neutral IRA, traditional, or maybe a Roth, if that's the case. And uh, chances are your money probably shouldn't be there if you, if you actually aren't there yourself. Visit our website at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Send us an email. We'll answer every single one at team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Call the studio right now at 513-749-5500, pound 550, AT&T Wireless. James. Well, looking at, for example, cost of money issues, and recently, yes, when you hear about the Fed doing a rate cut, usually what that does is it affects things like bond prices, also interest rates at the bank, at the credit union. So CD rates and also fixed annuity rates are affected by that. What also gets affected, perhaps, are the mortgage rates. So if you're looking out there going, maybe my cost of money on my house, the mortgage, is a little bit too high, comparatively speaking. So you might have a good rate of interest on your mortgage, but then you look at the rates that are available today, and maybe it is a good time to look at refinancing, depending upon how much you pay, of course, for closing costs. But nevertheless, if you can reduce your cost of money in that regard, that's a good thing. Barry? It, it's all relative. You mentioned Treasury bond rates. A 10-year Treasury, let's say, I look Friday. It's currently at 7 tenths of 1%, 0.7%. And I researched, I know the 80s, it was just flip-flop, where mortgage rates were through the roof. But CDs and 10-year tre- Treasury, you know what the rate was in 1980? August of 1980, 40, almost 15% for a 10-year Treasury bond. Yes, and the same was true for the 30-year back in the 80s. But at the same time, back in the 80s, it seemed like everything was double-digit. Inflation, inflation was double-digit. CD rates were double-digit. And most of the time, the investors back in the 80s were looking at the mindset of, well, I could go down to the bank down the street and get 15 to 18% seemingly for just a CD. Why would I lock up my money? With the government for 30 years at 14%. Or why would I be in the stock market and with any risk at all when you can get double-digit returns on safety? But the same applies today when you're looking at Treasury rates and you're looking all the way from the the one-year to the five-year to the 10-year to the 30-year. It's interesting what the rates have done because so many people are looking at that's a safe haven investment. And when I say that is around the world – that's the perceived safe haven is still the treasuries. Now, on to today's topic about the safety aspect, having some degree of safety in your retirement portfolios. So we mentioned before about the fixed annuities and the fixed indexed annuities, because many times it's not just what the for a fixed annuity, what that rate of return is, but for an indexed annuity, what's also important are the features and benefits that come with it. So many times when we look at adding, and this is according to the suitability of your need. So if it is suitable to have an annuity designed with an income rider or with a nursing home rider, those are just different ways that you can add protection to your retirement. So when we look at, do you, do you have proper insurance on things like your house? Do you have proper insurance on your car? Do you have proper insurance on your retirement? This is what we're referring to with the annuities, especially the fixed index annuities, is having proper insurance on your retirement. Yes, there are different ways of doing this. There's more than one way to skin that proverbial cat. Life insurance is a very underrated way 
of also providing insurance protection for your retirement and also your loved one's perceived retirement. But with the annuities, what you don't have with the annuities that you have with life insurance is maybe perhaps the underwriting issue. Underwriting means that based on your health conditions, yes, life insurance is still heavily underwritten. And if you don't pass the medical underwriting, then you won't get the life insurance. That's where annuities sometimes are a nice little trade-off is because you can get insurance protection for different types of risk. One of the major types of risk that we see is to the nest egg of your retirement, what happens if one or both of you, speaking to the married people out there, have to go into a nursing home? What's that going to cost? How are you going to pay for it? So in many cases, if you do have either a life insurance policy with a long-term care rider, or you have an annuity contract, again, with a long-term care or nursing home rider, this is a a way, sometimes a very effective way, to cover those types of risks. To help offset it. Yes. And one of the great things about doing it that way with the asset-based protection approach is that it's not a use-it-or-lose-it type of a Somebody's an approach to retirement. So, yes, someone... It may not not be you, (laughs) if I can speak English here, it may not be you if it's a life insurance policy who actually receives the reward for that policy, but someone, hopefully one of your loved ones, your heirs, your beneficiaries, will receive the benefit. With the, the living benefit riders of the nursing home care, that's how you can still benefit from either the life insurance approach to this, the asset based protection, or the annuity approach of the asset based protection. It's not for everyone, but for many people out there, that is a very suitable way to invest and to have insurance protection on your retirement. Or return a premium. Most of them come with a return a premium benefit. That's, that's one of the things that, yes, if you think about the, I want to take my ball and go home or go somewhere else with it, that exactly is the return a premium benefit. So typically, in about three to five years after you've had this contract in place, It's a very seldom used benefit, but nevertheless, it is a benefit that you can get with these different types of contracts. So there's just different ways and different approaches. It's not always about just investing in the stock market. Yes, we do have some very effective market-based strategies. And if you look at what the last couple weeks have brought to the markets, and you look at how different types of commodity investments have done. So, for example, we have a precious metals portfolio that has done great in the past couple of weeks. We also have an energy sector portfolio that's not done so great in the last couple of weeks. So what's happened? You look at the prices of commodities such as gold, silver, other types of metals, and yes, they've gone up. There's a certain measurement or degree of safety, perceived safety, when it comes to those types of investments. Now, on the other hand, look at the demand for products like oil and look at what's happened to the price of oil. We haven't yet quite seen the effect at the gas pump just yet, but the price of oil has dropped tremendously over the last couple of weeks because the demand just simply is not there. So we're talking about the short-term effects of what has happened over the last couple of weeks with the market. And, yes, we are acknowledging that there's a high degree of uncertainty with the market, but at the same time, we don't want people out there just simply panicking over you know, what is maybe to come, but we want people to use common sense. Common sense could be something like, hey, you know, before I pick up my cell phone, maybe I should use some hand sanitizer. Maybe I should wash my hands first. 
maybe before I start typing on my keyboard or using my mouse pad, maybe I should use some hand sanitizer, wash my hands first. There's different daily habits that we have that we don't really even think about, how often we touch our faces, how often we do things that, like the five-second rule, we drop something on the floor, well, depends on what it is. I thought that was 10 seconds. We should be doing all this anyway, James. Of course. This is just bringing that into a, a higher degree of focus of things that we should have been doing in the first place, but now, hopefully, we start doing in actuality. So different types of risks that we sometimes don't think about that we're still exposed to. So another way of looking at this is when we say the three-legged stool of retirement. Now, what in the world are the three legs of retirement or the three legs of the stool of retirement? So here's what we mean by that. We have the first leg, which is typically pensions. We have the second leg, which is typically our Social Security. And we have the third leg, which is typically our personal savings. So when we talk about the different types of safety involved with these different concepts of retirement, well, if you have access to a pension, that's the first leg. But what if you don't have access to a pension? Guess what? You're missing that first leg. Second leg is Social Security. Well, not everyone has paid into Social Security, but nevertheless, do you have access to Social Security? And are you properly maximizing or at least attempting to maximize your benefits? And the third one, when it comes to your personal savings, that's your investments. Those are the things that maybe you have done on your own or maybe through the retirement plan at work. But nevertheless, personal savings and investments is the third leg. So when we get back from the commercial break, that's what we're going to dive into next is the three different legs of the retirement stool, for lack of a better phrase, chair. How about that? That sounds better. So we'll use that, the three legs of the chair of retirement and how you can properly structure these as well. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned, you're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. We are an independent advisory firm that has a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So come in for a visit. We're going to work for you as clients and not companies. Give us a call at 513-575-9654. We have uh, remote offices in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, and our home office is in Milford. And we're known to go to your home if you need be. You're going to meet the Sound Money Investment guys, Greg Barry and James, either one of us or all three of us, maybe, if that's the case. Uh, we can help you roll out that 401K, 403B, TSP, some kind of company retirement plan. Uh, if you're available, if they'll let you do it, we can help you roll that out if you're no longer with the company. And even if you are with the company and you're 59 and a half, a lot of companies will let allow you to do an in-service rollover if you so choose. Go ahead and take control of a portion of it, continue the plan like nothing happened, keep contributing, get that match, but you can take control of it before you actually retire. And we're not going to base your value on the size of your wallet or purse. Just come on in, 575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Shoot us over in an email, and we'll be glad to answer every single one at team at 
brownfinancialadvisors.com. James? Well, talking about pensions, this is kind of going back down memory lane, where we were versus where we are. So going back to the, you know, hitting the way back machine on pensions, back in 1875, the first corporate pension, the American Express Company. Now, what a pension is, first and foremost, is very simply, it's a defined benefit plan. This might be why, the main reason why, when you look at the amount of risk involved to the company, that when they're defining and promising the benefit versus what goes into the plan, that's where some of the major obligations have become unaffordable for certain companies out there. But I digress. So going back to, yes, the first one by American Express, by 1950, about 25% of the workforce, the private sector workforce, that means 10 million Americans had a pension. Nice. Just 10 years later, 1960, half of the private sector of the workforce wow. had a pension. But this is where the worm started to turn. So by 1974, after a number of pensions had started to fail, the government steps in, enacted ERISA, which is the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. And along with it came the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, which is the bailout, the government's version of the bailout of the private pension sector. So by 1998, about 60% of employees still had a pension, which is still quite a few. But with the, what is it called, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, a lot of times when that had to take over these pensions that were failing, what also happened was, yes, it took them over, but it took them over at substantially reduced rates. So, yes, with the pension bailouts, when the government takes it over, you sometimes see a 20 to 50% haircut of what that pension otherwise was supposed to have done. So that defined benefit plan really became not so defined after all. Now, let's fast forward to 2015, and only 20% of Fortune 500 companies offered any type of defined benefit pension plan to new employees. That really dropped, James. Now, today, the percentage is continuing to drop. Now, less than 14%, that's one of seven retirees, have access to a pension. Instead, many employers are offering the 401K, 403B, other types of defined contribution plans where the employer is responsible to contribute. Now, these plans are doing just like what they sound, making contributions through employees' employees paychecks. And if you're lucky, you'll get a match, which have also dwindled over the years. Uh, if, if, if fortunate enough, some employees as I said, will match 3 to 6%. So if you think about it, the 401K or defined contribution plan seems more like a fit in personal savings leg rather than the pensions currently. Well, the, the match is one of the most important things here. If you're not taking advantage of the match that your employer offers, you really are essentially turning down a raise. Free money. Turning down the free money. But nevertheless, it is about cash flow first and foremost, right? So that dollar that you either save, you invest, or that you spend, that's only $1. Proverbially speaking, it can only go in, in one place, right? So the recommendation is when we have people who have access to these different plans and they have access to the match is remember this, pay yourself first. If you don't force yourself to make these contributions, then it won't happen. And if you're if you're too focused on 
or not focus enough on retirement, but to focus on spending money elsewhere, then your future self is going to want to kick your, your former self in the butt later on because you didn't do what you should have done, which is have some discipline to put money into those employer plans, especially up to the company match. Now, we're not saying necessarily to invest in the company plan above the employer match, but we are saying that that's a consideration as well based on a number of factors. One is, do you have access to investments that are privatized? And if you don't, then add more to your company plan. But if you do have private investments, that's where you have a decision to make about where is maybe the best place to put my money, what are the better investment options, do I have better investment options through the employer, or do I have better investment options if I privately invest? And typically, you have better options to invest if you privately invest. Not always. Sometimes, you know, the do-it-yourselfers, yes, you you have one finger pointing at someone else, it's their fault, but you have four fingers pointing back at you saying, hey, it's your fault. It's my fault if I don't do things the right way. Plus the benefit on a 401k, out of sight, out of mind. Take it right out of my check, I forget about it. If you do something outside, you might tend not to do it, but uh, there's all kinds of pluses and minuses of doing both. But putting numbers into not only percentages but also dollar amounts, when we say you're investing and contributing 3 to 6%, well, think about this. If you're putting in 6% of a $100,000 salary or if you're putting 6% of a $50,000 salary or 6% of a $200,000 salary, you can see the dollars are going to be very different for those different types of salaries. But when you have the employer who's matching your 6%, suddenly you have 12% of your 100000 going into your retirement account or even just 12% of your 50000 going into retirement account, or better yet, 12% of your 200000 going into retirement plan. Here's, here's also the, the possibility of, based on your age, you have catch-up provisions. So if you, were, if you could otherwise put in, let's just say, 19000 if you're under the age of 50, another 6000 or so if you're over the age of 50, you can put in 25000 of your own money into the retirement plan. And if there's matching involved, then the total dollars that can go into retirement plans at work are upwards of fifty to $60,000 per year. That is an amazing way to turbocharge your retirement accounts. But typically, we don't see people doing that. Yes, it's tax season, so a lot of times we get to see the true numbers of what's going into these plans. And it's shockingly low what the typical average person does actually contribute. And many times when and this is just investor education, when you say, well, what exactly is the employer match? Or what are the conditions of the vesting schedule of what you're putting into the company plan? Because sometimes that's just as important is not only what you put in, but what you maybe get to keep if something happens to your job, or if you decide, I'm going to go elsewhere, what happens to the money I put into my account? Do I get to keep it, or is it not yet fully vested those are important questions to ask before you just simply decide to go do something on your own. So nevertheless, with the pensions, yes, it is going the way of the proverbial dodo bird because of the risk and the obligations that are on the company. So one of the degrees of risk with private pensions is the company itself. Now, we're not saying that necessarily these major corporations like GE, that they're going to go out of business, but GE is another great example of someone that in the past had a pension and now they do not. 
So depending upon how long you've been a GE, you may still have a pension, but then again, you may not. That's one of the examples of when Barry was saying less than 14% and dropping is because companies like GE have what the old guard gets versus what the new guard, what they're going to get. The next leg, Social Security. Typically, we see about 90 to 95% of the, of the workforce paying into the Social Security program, but not for everyone. There's many people out there, proverbially speaking, if you say 10% of the workforce doesn't pay into this program, yes, typically school teachers don't pay in. Other types of government sector workforces don't necessarily pay in. So there's an alternative version that they, those school teachers, for example, are paying into versus the Social Security program. But nevertheless, when it comes to how to maximize the benefits coming out of the program, this is where it depends upon if you are typically the worker benefit, if you're looking at the spousal benefit, perhaps even the family benefit options. So there's a number of different ways to collectively maximize your benefits out of the program. Too many to go into into today's show. Just know this. One of the offers that we have, like our call to action, is if you are in a situation where you think you can possibly maximize your individual or collective Social Security benefits, come see us, Brown Financial Advisors, and we'll help design and customize a Social Security maximization report just for you. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned, you're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. And as always, we're an advisory firm. We're independent. So come in and visit 575-9654. We're going to work for you as clients, not companies. You're going to meet one or all three of us that you make a connection with. We're not going to push you off into a junior advisor. Uh, we can help you with that 401k, 403b, some kind of company plan. We can help you roll that out. It's tax neutral into your own personal, traditional IRA, or maybe a Roth, you visit our website at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Shoot us an email. We're going to answer every single one team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Now, we've talked about two of the three legs. Uh, you have pensions, which are drying up. We have Social Security. And the third leg is personal savings. Uh, now, this is uh, the biggest one would be the 401K. That's where retirements are usually generated nowadays. But it could be anything outside of that, non-qualified accounts, bank money. It could be mattress money and home, safe money. Uh, it could be IRAs, Roths, fixed index annuities, really anything outside the first two legs. It's your personal savings. And a majority of employers uh, offer plans like the 401Ks, uh, which is replacing the pensions. Now, the... The main stool we think today are these uh, employer plans that you can contribute to and get free money matching. Pension and Social Security are two legs of the stools that provide an income upon retirement, but the personal savings really is dominating. Now, if you have no pension and reduce Social Security benefits, puts a lot of pressure on that third leg. That's why it's so important, and that's where we can help you. And the point we want you to understand is that the three-legged store of retirement is broken in today's world, and it's very important for you to build a plan and come in and see a professional like us. Well, the two legs that we're referring to that being somewhat broken, the pensions and the Social Security, 
first and foremost, both of those are forms of annuity contracts. It's just a matter of who is administering the annuities. So with the pension, it's usually the corporation that's, you know, that you work for, the company who is typically in charge of or administering that particular pension. But nevertheless, they've also outsourced the payment of that to a private company. So that's still, first and foremost, a form of an annuity. You are getting a systemized stream of payments, either for your individual or collective lives. Many times with the pension payout, when, when we have people come in to see us about, do I take the lump sum option? Do I take the annuitized pension option? That's what that boils down to is which of these two options is better for us, not only for maybe me, but also the collective we. What are the better options? So if you're looking at the husband-wife team and you have maybe a 50% survivor's benefit for the spouse, well, maybe there's a better way to privatize that via the lump sum option to get a 100% survivor's benefit instead of just simply the 50% benefit. So with any type of insurance company, whenever there's one life involved versus there are two lives involved that they're insuring, the payout rate over the single life is higher than the payout factor over the the two lives together, the, the joint life. That's really what you're looking at as far as the decision tree is. What's the payout factor? What are the rates that they're going to guarantee? And what are my payment options? Many times you can privately invest and get a get better options than if you take the annuitized pension option. And the same applies for Social Security as far as maximizing the individual retirement benefit, the spousal benefits, and the family benefits if there's options available for that. So the family benefits typically for, for people who've had children later in life that they might be able to draw benefits. And the great thing is it's the child that draws the benefits. Therefore, it goes on the child's tax return if one even needs to be filed. So that's a reminder out there to, to folks who are looking at this. Just because you might be in a tax bracket doesn't mean your child is in the same tax bracket. Beware of the kitty tax, but don't necessarily hold taxes out of the child's Social Security benefit without first talking to your tax person. Now, when it comes to putting money into the retirement accounts on a systematic basis, there's two different ways of looking at this. One is called dollar cost averaging. So think about this as you're putting in a certain amount of money in all market conditions. Let's just use $200 a paycheck as an example. So when the market is going up, that $200 is going to buy you less stuff. That means the stock prices are going up, so that $200 will buy fewer shares of whatever stock that you're investing in. If the prices are going down, that same $200 will actually buy more shares of that particular stock that's you know in question. Obviously, we're hoping that the prices are going up, but that also means that if you're investing the same amount of money, when the markets are going up, you're actually buying less or fewer shares of that stock. So that's the concept of dollar cost averaging, and it can be a very effective way of investing because you're still contributing on a systematic basis. Barry, what's next? So so let's let's talk about reversed dollar cost. Well, simply put, it's it's the exact opposite. Instead of systematically putting a set amount of money in your investment accounts, you're now taking money out to live on, as part of your retirement plan, it could be four percent, five percent, maybe three percent. I've seen as high as six, seven, eight percent, depending on what you need. Now, when you retire, you, you need to start withdrawing income to live on. 
So that's the, that's the difference. And then if the market's down and you're still taking out that withdrawal rate, it can be problematic. So let's put some numbers to this. Let's just say your nest egg is 300000 You decide that based on your income gap needs that you need approximately $1,000 out of your investment account, which equates to 1000 a month to 12000 a year. That equates, ironically, to a 4% drawdown out of your nest egg, which at that point seems like a very sustainable withdrawal rate. Now, let's just say the market drops 20%, and you're still taking out your 4%. So at the end of that year, your 300000 becomes more like 228000 And moving forward, if you want the same amount of money to come out of your account, that 4% withdrawal rate now becomes more like a 5.5% withdrawal rate to get the same amount of income. So if you have a couple years in the market where it's losing money, you're also taking money, you can see how seriously depleted that your account can get within just 5 to 10 years. So a couple of options. One is, and none of these are really good options necessarily, so you can continue taking withdrawals with the increased likelihood of running out of money prior to running out of life. You can reduce the amount of income you're taking from this nest egg or just simply stop taking income from that particular nest egg. Maybe the better approach is to have a different type of account, a green money account, an insurance-based account that is designed for an income, an income not only for your life but maybe also for both of your lives. So how to do this is with a properly structured fixed indexed annuity And that way you can have your market-based accounts designed for the future growth and use your green money accounts, the annuity accounts, your fixed indexed annuities as a way to draw your current income. So that way you have different accounts with different job descriptions, job titles, doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is to fill your current income gap. So that's how you overcome the sequence of risk returns, that's also how you overcome the reverse dollar cost averaging risk of returns. And if the market is continuing to go in one direction and that direction is down, then the double whammy effect does not apply to you. Barry, any thoughts? Well, just the accumulation phase, you're, you're going to have most of your money in the market. You want growth, especially when you're younger. But then as you get closer to retirement or in retirement, you got to think about safety, and we can help you with that. Yes. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. All right, folks. On behalf of Greg Brown, James Borth, and myself, the Kentuckian, Barry Parnell, thanks for listening. Have a great week. And remember this, sound money. What good things are believable, achievable, and true for you. Oh,